you, Miss Robin. First Peter this evening. First Peter, First Peter chapter one. We've been looking at <clears throat> this is for the last few weeks, the fantastic facts for the foreigners of heaven. Because as we look here in verse one, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers. Strangers. Who's the strangers? He's talking about Christians. We're this is this place is not our home. We're just a passing through. This place that's just getting, as I say, wickeder and wickeder. You should feel stranger. You should feel awkward. You should feel different. If you feel comfortable uh, in this place, the problem is not this place. The, play, the problem is us. Because we live in a world that's getting darker and darker. And dear friend, you say, well, what, what, what's happening? Well, dear friend, we're coming to the end. We spent over a year talking about the end, but the end of what's coming. Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, Brother Peach talking about what's coming. He's talking about what's the end. We're coming to the end. And, and, and Paul talked about it in 2, 2 Timothy, perilous times. Dear friend, we're in those perilous times. And he wrote that 2,000 years ago. What do you think he would think about today? I said to my wife just the other day, what if George Washington, John Adam, Thomas Jefferson came back today? They would weep on the steps of the White House. They would weep. What's going on in our country today? The leadership in our country? The direction of our country? They would weep. He said, we died. We gave our lives for this. They did. They did. Dear friend, we're foreigners here. We're foreigners. We look tonight, though we've looked at several things, we are down to verses 8 and 9. We've seen the scattered strangers, the sanctification of the Spirit, the saving grace and mercy of God, the sterling inheritance, our secure salvation, our seasons of suffering, the strength from trials, and tonight, the splendid joy for Christians. Do you have joy? Is that, is, is, if, if somebody was to talk to you, and they, would they say that when they come away from a conversation with you, I mean, again, we all get discouraged from every now and then, but would they say you're pretty much a happy person? Would, you, would they say you're pretty much a sad person? You go around all day long, gloom, despair, and agony on me? Or do you go around singing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. See, this world wants you to focus on yourself. Focus on yourself. Selfie. Self. Self-examination. Self. Self. When you focus on yourself, it's always a lose-lose because you, you got issues. Because you are a son or daughter of Adam. And because you're a son or daughter of Adam, you're going to have issues. You're going to have problems. And the more you examine yourself, the more faults you're going to find. But if you get your eyes off of you and on Jesus and on others, you'll have a better day. And you won't have to lay down on that couch for four hours. You won't have to pop those pills. You won't have to do those things. Why? Because your mind is not on you. Your mind's on Jesus. Oh, dear friend. Dear friend, do you have joy? Do you have a joy? Think about that time, man, when you, when you first saw your wife. Woo, did your heart pitter-patter a little bit? Did it skip a beat? Was you excited? 
Would you, could, you, could, you, could you say, well, man, I was love at first sight. You couldn't wait to be with her again. You, 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 you thought about it. You dreamed about it. You, you, you just couldn't wait. You wrote letters. You wrote letters. Now you can't talk five minutes. She's like, you, how long? You, that five minutes, that was a long time. <laughs> I spent the last four days just with my wife. Just me and her, sitting by the couch. She's right here. I'm right there, just sitting there, talking, watching TV, enjoying her time. You know, it's, it's, been, it's been good. It's been good. It's been good. Talked to Brother Tiny today. He said, I've been babysitting my wife. I said, Brother, me too. Amen. It's good. Take care of her. That's what I said I would do. So death do us part. Amen. We see with Christianity, it's not to love at first sight. It's faith at first sight. Because you, 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 can't, you can't see Jesus. You ever seen Jesus? If you've seen Jesus, you come talk to me afterwards. We'll have a conversation. Okay, don't go around telling people I've seen Jesus. No, you hadn't seen Jesus. I hadn't seen Jesus. Nobody in this room seen Jesus. But we have faith in Jesus. It's faith at first sight. I have faith in him. Remember, Jesus told Thomas, Thomas, because thou hast not seen me, thou hast believed, thou hast seen me, thou hast believed, thou hast believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet they have believed. Thomas saw him. He struggled. But, there was bit, but today we've not seen him. We've not seen him, but yet we believe. But then one day our faith will be sight. Look at verse 8 and 9. Verse 8 and 9, it says, whom having, not, having, whom having not seen, ye love, and whom, though ye have not seen him, not believe, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. What's the benefits of, a, of having faith? There's many benefits of having faith. You have faith in God. You trust him. I read about a man by the name of Shalom Ash in his book, Kaddish Hashem, tells of an incident that happened during the massacre of the Jews in Russia during the days of Poland, 17th century. Men, women, children were slain. Families were divided and destroyed. Death seemed, <coughs> seemed active. One of the survivors walking down the streets in deserted town, trying to understand the meaning of it all. There were people trying to sell just their wares, just to get a little bit of money to survive. And there was a booth with a man, a Jewish man inside it. He didn't have anything. And somebody came by his booth and said, what are you selling? He said, I'm selling faith. Just selling faith. If somebody came by your house, would they have enough faith to buy? Could they buy some of your faith? Because it's been exhibited by your actions. Not by just what you say, but by your actions. Hey, you showed up tonight. That showed some faith. Hey, you come to church. You read, you read your Bible. You study. You, you tithe. You give. You go out witnessing. Those are exhibits of your faith. We ought to be people of faith. That's why Job could say in Job 13, 15, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Do you have faith? I read a story about William Penn <clears throat> during the days of colonization. The Indians were going to give him some land. <clears throat> they said to William Penn, we'll give you as much land as you can walk in a day. They thought, well, maybe he'll walk maybe five miles, ten miles. He walked from early morning to late that night. And what you know what it is? It is present-day Philadelphia. They were shocked. They didn't believe. <laughs> they said, well, maybe... People thought, well, maybe if they'll do that, 
you know, they won't give the land. And William Penn said, I simply trusted what they said. Do people trust what you say? Are you so full of faith that when somebody's, when so, that if you say something, when people, when people come by you, they know it's going to happen because they trust you. You're a person of faith. You live faith. You're a man of faith. You're a woman of faith. We ought to be people of faith. What are some benefits of faith listed in 1 Peter? First of all, the specialness of the Savior seen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But them which are disobedient, the stone which the, the, the builders disallow, the same is made that the head of the corner. Is Jesus precious to you? Is Jesus precious to you? Well, think about it. Consider the paradoxes of our faith. Think about the paradoxes of our faith. We feel supreme love for one we've never met. You, you love somebody you've never met. You, some folks, a lot of folks have died for somebody they've never met. We talk familiar every day to someone we cannot see or hear. Now, some people would think you're crazy. You mean you talk to somebody and they're actually not there? I try to do it every day. I don't do it enough. How about you? We expect to go to heaven on the virtue of another person. Now, we live in a society that is solely based on what you do. You do this, you get that. But in Christianity, it's not based on what I do. It's based on what he's done. That's totally different from what the world, world, world economy. <laughs> we empty of ourselves in order to be full. We are talking about that today in Bible study. Hey, you don't get more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gets more of you. How are you going to get more of the Holy Spirit? Die. You die. You die to what you want to do. Let the Holy Spirit does what he wants to do. You, you don't want to share the gospel with that, that, that neighbor. You really, really don't want to talk to that person. Because you really don't like that person. But the Holy Spirit really, really, really wants to see that person get saved. Because he knows the Son, Jesus Christ, died for that person just as he died for you. Now, your flesh is in the way. Because you don't like they play that loud music. You don't like they've thrown some beer cans on your yard. You don't like all they've done for you. But he really wants you to die to yourself, die to your pride, die to your hate, and go over there and tell them about Jesus. Because you might be the very person he used to invite them to church service that they might get saved in. You say, that would never happen. You don't have the faith to believe it. You have the faith to believe that God could work through you to tell your neighbor about Jesus so they would come to church one time, hear about the gospel. At least they would hear and their blood would not be on your hands. You see, if, you, if that neighbor of yours dies without you telling about Jesus, their blood's on your hand, friend. That's why if I was you, I'd go tell them. I'd go invite them. You got somebody who has kids down the road that needs to come to Vacation Bible School, at least go invite them. Take a flyer back there. Hey, we got Vacation Bible School at the end of the month. So that when you stand before Jesus, little Johnny's blood's not on your hands. We must lower ourselves in order to be exalted. It's not about who's the top of the ladder, it's who's at the bottom of the ladder. How are you going to be great? Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest among you, let him be the minister. Who's the greatest person? <clears throat> the greatest person is your, in your house is the person who does the most. The, first, the greatest person in your house is the person who's willing to serve and be the most. We give, we give up, keep. By giving, we keep what we have and gain more. 
We're the richest when we're the poorest. We're strong when we're weak. We confess we are wrong in order to be declared right. <laughs> if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. Man, there's some, there's some strange paradoxes in the Christian life, isn't there? Well, the world thinks you're crazy. But the faith is substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Secondly, the strength we have in suffering. You say strength in suffering? Who wants to suffer? But there's strength in suffering. We talked about it last time. 1 Peter 4, 19, Wherefore, let him that suffer according to the, to the will of God commit the keeping of his souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Sometimes the what God wants us to is to suffer. How? Why? Why suffer? So we can be conformed to the image of his son. It is God's will for sometimes to get COVID. Everybody's afraid. I'm, get, I'm afraid to get COVID. Well, even Fauci's got COVID. <laughs> even he's got COVID now. So, you know, if he's going to get COVID, everybody's going to get it. Oh, I don't want to get it. Well, friend, what if it's God's will that you get it? You going to fight against God? What if it's God's will that you get cancer? What if it's God's will that you die? You say, well, preacher, that could be. Well, somebody by the name of Jesus died. And it was God's will that his son died. Because if he didn't die, we can't have everlasting life. God, I know we think that we think that I know it's sad and it's. But dear friends, sometimes God does things for a greater reason that we can comprehend. You don't grasp it at the same time, but there's strength and suffering. Thirdly, there's stand fast stand, stance against Satan. Charles Spurgeon said, little faith will take your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring, will bring your faith, your, bring heaven to your soul. I'll read it again. Little faith will take your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. Do we have little faith or do we have great faith? So we see the splendid joy. Secondly, or for actually ninth, the search for the prophets. Look at verse 9 and 10. It says, which the salvation of prophets inquired and searched diligently, who professed the grace that shall come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory should, 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 should follow. As man prophesied the salvation that was come, they inquired and searched diligently into knowing more about it, especially the grace this should come, the word diligently, which means to search out anxiously and diligently. Charles Wesley says of the inquiry, inquiry like miners searching after precious ore. They searched after the meaning of the prophecies which they delivered. They were curious. Are you curious? Are you curious about spiritual things? Now, curiosity killed a cat, but a cat has nine lives. But are you curious about the about spiritual things? Now you can get you can be, curiosity can be a good thing if it's about if it's about spiritual things, or curiosity can be bad. If it's about of course about bad things. Uh, you remember how? And some of you have small children. I remember how my small children they'd always ask why, why, when, how long, all those questions. I remember we drove out to Colorado and they kept asking a thousand times, "When are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? How long is it going to be? I don't know. We're going to keep going." Till we get there, they're inquisitive. Well, First Peter chapter one verse twelve: Unto whom it was revealed that not in themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you, 
other which to preach the gospel in you, the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. The angels are curious about the gospel of salvation. Why? Because they don't understand it. Angels cannot get saved. Angels don't, can't grasp salvation. They scratch their heads at salvation because they, they're, not, they're not redeemable creatures like you and I are. The idea of the curiosity comes from the Latin word curiosio, meaning careful or inquisitive. The idea is care or, or concern. Moses said in Exodus chapter 3, 3, Moses said, I will now turn aside and see the great sight where the bush is not burnt. He was curious. He was out there tending the sheep. He wanted to see. Are you curious about things of God? I hope you are. I hope you search out the scriptures. It said about the, the Bereans that they, they daily search the scriptures. I, I, I want you to be inquisitive. I want you to come to me and say, Preacher, can you give me some more? Can you help me with this? I don't understand it. I can't grasp it. And you may come to me and I, I might not have the answer. I might have to scratch my head and say, let's go look. Let's go figure it out. Let's go, let's go study it. Let's, let's, let's figure it out. Let's read. Let's study more. But we, we should all want to hunger and thirst after righteousness. I hope you do. This world is, is wicked and thirsting after wickedness. I mean, just pick up the paper. Somebody's killing somebody. Somebody's doing something wrong. You're curious after wrong things. We ought to be curious about right things. Curious about right things. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, And when the woman saw the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes, the tree would be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her. And did eat. She was curious about something that was, that was good for her, but it wasn't time for her. Some things, timing is everything. Sometimes God's desire for you it, it has a desire for you and a will for you, but the timing is wrong. Timing's wrong. The challenge of the scriptures to, is to have a curiosity about things that are, that are higher and nobler, as we say, these allure my sight. Curious about, first of all, curious about, about the, the, the warmth of the love of God. You ever just wonder about the love of God? How can God love me? I mean, you know you, right? And yet he loves you anyhow. Can you believe that? He loves you in spite of what you did today, in spite of what you said today, in spite of where you went today. Preacher, how do you know? I, I don't know, but you know. In spite of what you saw today, in spite of your attitude, your actions, he loves you. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, and to, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. You can't, you, you can't grasp it. I heard a man stand up one time in class in Bible college. He said, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. There's nothing greater than I can grasp than that. I can't grasp that. That's too big for me. The love of God, it's more than I can grasp. It's more than I can understand. Fathom it. Think about it. Dwell on it. How could God love me? Me! We say, well, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And it's true, God loved the world, but break it down to put your name right there. For God loved Chuck Gilbert. Mary Elena, can you believe that? I know. <laughs> Amen. I can't believe it. God loved Chuck Gilbert. Then he died. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for Chuck Gilbert. And for every one of us in this room. 
It's been said if you're the only person on earth, Jesus would have came and died for you. Woo! Wow. What wonderful love it is. You're curious about the warmth of the love of God? Oh, this world is cold, friends. It's cold even in a hot day in July, in June. It feels like July. In June, it's still cold. But dear friend, you get you start thinking about the love of God, what he's done for you. You start counting your blessings, name, name them one by one. You start singing these old hymns of the faith. Boy, that would that would that would that would make a Presbyterian shout. Amen. Amen. Curious about the word of God. You get curious about the word of God. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. These, these were more noble than Thessalonica, and they received the word and all readiness of mind, searched the scriptures daily, where there be things were were so. Mark 15, 36, and straight one of them ran and took the sponge and filled it with vinegar and put a reed and gave it to drink and said, and, and, and rest said, let it be, let us, whether the last will come to save. They, they were wanting to know, is, is, this, is this the will of God? Is this, is this the word of God? Is this actually going to happen? Jonah chapter 4 and verse 5, so Jonah went out to the city and sat at the east side of the city and were made a booth and sat under it in the shadow so he might see what would become of the city. He wanted to see what was going to happen. He was curious. You're curious about righteous things. So many people are curious about wicked things. How, how, do, you, how do you fill that curiosity? By you, you search the scriptures. You study the word of God. How, do you, how should I study the word of God? Well, first of all, studiously. <laughs> you, gotta, you, guys, you actually got to open the book up and get in it. It's not going, hey, this whole thing, I wish it was so. I wish you could just put your head right here and say, it's, it's going to come on in. <laughs> Man, that would have helped me a whole lot in college. I just laid down to sleep and just, it just go right in. And that would have been wonderful, man. I could save me a whole lot of time and energy. Don't happen like that. I've been going through the Psalms. I've just been, I've just been listening to it. About nine, eight or nine chapters at a time. And just let it, just those words, just, just sit back. And let them, and just let them watch those words from, from, from David and Asaph and sons of Korah and Moses, all those different authors, just wash over my soul and listen to what God has said through his word. Do you listen? Do you read? Do you get in? The Bible says in Timothy, Paul saying, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that is not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So many people are studious about so many things but so ignorant when it comes to the Bible. Man, I would watch Jeopardy with my grandma. My grandma at 7 o'clock, Jeopardy, Jeopardy every day. Jeopardy, Jeopardy, Jeopardy every time. Jeopardy, those jokers, man, they're smart. They're so smart, but hit the Bible. Ding, they don't know anything. I mean, they don't. Bible. Who was in the fish's belly? I think it starts with a J. Uh, was it Jesus? And you know everything, but you don't know the one book that matters more than any science book, than any math book, than more than English book, than any history book. If you don't know this book, none of the books matter. This book is the book. <laughs> Be ignorant of Shakespeare. Forget about Longfellow. But if you don't know the Word of God, you don't know anything. Oh, dear friend, how sad it is. Studiously. Secondly, systematically, you study it. <laughs> I hear people, I ask people on a regular basis, well, how are you doing your Bible reading? Well, you know, I think I'm in a, you think you're in a, well, I think I'm going to start a, well, this week I'm going to a, 
Now, let me say this. If you're getting ready to go to work tomorrow, what you going to do? You say, well, preacher, first thing I do, I got to get up. Then I'm going to take these pills because you got to take medicine. You know you do. You're, you're over 25. You're taking something. Okay? Then you're going to do this, this, and this. You have a plan. You've done it. Then you're going to get in your car. Then you're going to drive to that place. Then you're going to stop at that gas station and get some Mountain Dew and some Snicker bars because you do it every day. Then you're going to get to work. You have a plan. You've already done it. See, if you're reading the Bible, you do it systematically. You have a plan. It's not, it's not like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, like I'm not sure. You know, you know what you're doing. It's really simple. Where are you at? If I was to ask you right now, before God, where are you at in your Bible? Well, preacher, I think I'm in a, oh man, I'm in Psalms. I know I'm in Psalms because I was in Psalms this morning. Where are you at? Well, preacher, <laughs> I think I'll start First Peter. This, how about start First Peter? That'd be a good place. Or 2 Thessalonians, that'd be a good place. Or about Mark, we'll be in Mark chapter 10 this Sunday. Start there. You say, preacher, I haven't started. Start somewhere. But have a plan. You know, I start, I start typically in Genesis and I end in Revelation. You read three chapters a day, four, four chapters on Sunday, you'll have the whole book done. Now, I'm not going to get up here and say I've done it 50 times or 25 times or 400 times. I'm not going to say that. But, dear friend, you know what? You need to get in the book. The most problems we have in life as a Christians is because we don't know the book. We know everything about everything else. But we don't know this book. Do it studiously, do it systematically, and do it satisfyingly. Get something out of it. When you're done reading your Bible, you should say, I got one thing out of it. What did one thing you got out of your scripture reading that you could take with you for the rest of the day? One phrase, one word, one paragraph, something, a nugget of truth. I remember one day, I've said this before, I was talking to Tom Farrell, who's in heaven right now. I was walking down the way, and Tom Farrell was coming my way. I was going his way. I stopped him. I said, Dr. Farrell, I'm struggling in an area of my life. How, how, can, how, can I, how can I get victory in this life? He said, Marty, get a word from the word of God. Every day, you get a word, a word, a phrase, a paragraph, a sentence. Get something that you can fill your mind in. Because if you fill your mind in with a bunch of junk, because there's junk everywhere, you need to fill your mind up with righteousness. And there's no better righteousness than the word of God. So today, every day, get a word from the word. How do I study the scripture? Studiously, systematically, and satisfyingly. Psalm 119.50. This is my comfort in my affliction. For thy word hath quickened me. The word quickened means to make alive. If you want a better life, more better, better than any prescription, better than any TV program, been any, any promotion you can find on social media, the best thing you do is you can get some time in the Word of God. Oh, dear friend, turn the TV off. Turn, put the phone down and get some time in this book. I can tell you, it will help you. We've seen the splendid joy of the Christian, the search of the prophet, and finally this evening as we close, the service of the saints. The service of the saints. <clears throat> it says in verse 12, look at verse 12. Unto him is revealed, not unto themselves, but unto us it administer the things which are now reported unto you by them that preach the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven which things the angels desire to look into. The word look is from the Greek word which means to stoop down in order to look at something or to inspect it with great curiosity. You ever do that? 
<clears throat> you ever going by and you look stoop, stoop down and look at something? Hey, you know, you keep your head and your, your head on a swivel, but you need to look around you. The Bible says, look, looking circumspectly. I mean, looking all around you. You know, I found $5 bills and $20 bills just laying on the ground. Just, just land right there, just, just, just on the ground. Look around you. We don't look. I heard a story about a five-year-old girl pigtail stooping down about looking at a flower. Angels of eternity watch believers as they serve the Lord. They're stooping down. They're looking. They're observing. Or this world is passing us by. You say, well, man, I'm looking to the end. I'm looking for heaven. That's good. But, dear friend, there's joy in the journey. There's joy in the journey. Going down the, the river last week, I, I, I got to, we, we saw a little place. My daughter and I were kayaking down the river up there <clears throat> near High Springs off 27. We saw, I just looked off to a side and just saw this place. It, 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 now, if it, had, it said no trespassing, I respect that. I don't stop. I, don't, I can keep on going. But it had no trespassing. I could go right there. I stepped up. It was a nice place. Just sit. Nice bench. Just watch, just sit and ponder. So many people say, well, I got to get to the end, get to the end, get to the end. I want to start here, get to the end. Well, that's nice. But dear friends, stop and enjoy the, the beauty that God has cr created. We only get one shot at this. You stop and smell the roses. You enjoy the life that God has given you. Are you in such a hurry all the time that you have to get there, do this? Well, you can live that type of life. You'll look back and wish you'd stopped. We should stop. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2 says, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. The angels know that God's people are recipients of God's grace and blessings that one day will be highly honored in the coming kingdom. What are some blessings that we have in the life? Because we're ministers. You say, well, preacher, aren't you a minister? Yes, I'm a minister. But reality, we're all ministers, aren't we? We're all ministers. You don't have to be called a minister or a reverend <laughs> to be a minister. We're all ministers of the grace of God. We're all dispensers of the grace of God. Well, <clears throat> we are to speak and serve with authority and the ability that God has given us. First Peter chapter 4, verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak of the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability with God that giveth. And God, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, in whom you praise and dominion forever and ever. To the ability that God has given you, dispense grace to other people. You say, preacher, I don't have that. I don't have it. Have you tried to use it? Have you tried to use it? Have you tried to use the gift of God? <laughs> you say, well, I got to go down there and buy something real expensive. No, man, just go get you. <laughs> you say, well, I got to spread some seed. You can spread some seed with your hand. It might take you a little bit longer, but you can do it. Oftentimes, we look at other people and say, I can't do it like that person, so I'm not going to do it at all. That's a fallacy. By the grace of God, do what the Lord allows you to do with the gifts that He gives you. Use the gifts that God has given you to dispense the grace of God. And, and you may not be able to do like somebody else. You might not have the talent the ability, the intellectual knowledge to do something, but do it to the best of your ability. I'd rather see somebody try and fail than not try at all and sit there like a bump on a log. Do it to the best of your ability. Don't worry. 
that you're not serving like someone else. Serve. You know what? You know what's been a blessing to me these last couple of days? Just a text. Hey, preacher, thinking about you. That's a blessing. I, I, a phone call. Brother, Brother Nate, he was golfing. He stopped by. Hey, preacher, I was out there working on a car Monday. He stopped by. I'm out here golfing. Preacher, how you doing? We'll check on you and Miss Angie. Thank you, brother, for stopping by. A phone call, a text. It doesn't take much. Just a little bit of care. Just a little bit of concern. Just a little bit of love. You say, man, I can't do a whole lot. Can you text? Some of you do that all day long. Some of you do that for a living. Do you call? You see somebody hurting. Have you texted Miss Wanda? Brother Whitcock, brother, have, you have you called Brother Tiny? See how he's doing? Do we do that? Do we care? We say we're a caring church. Do we care? Do we show it? You see, it's, it's, like, it's like somebody saying to you, I, I, a wife saying, the husband saying to the wife, well, I said I loved you when I married you the first time, but I haven't, but she has, he hasn't said it in 30 years. You think that's going to work out for the wife? No, I think pretty much, men, your wife wants you to say that you love, your, love her every day. I think that's pretty good every day. Just because you said it on the day you said you was going to marry her or you said it to get her to marry you doesn't work. And so it is with life. We ought, to show, we ought to say we care, not just at one moment, but always. May it be constant. Secondly, not only to speak and serve with authority and the ability that God has given us, secondly, we should, we should, should shadow or follow our Savior's example. Chapter 2, verse 21, For in two have you called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving his example that should follow his steps. We talked about his suffering. We talked about suffering in general, that sometimes God calls us to suffer. What a way to suffer. How did he suffer? Not, not argumentatively, not angrily, not bitterly. But sometimes when some people are going through it, I follow some people on social media, and every day they're talking about their, I mean, it's almost comical. It's almost to the point where you're just like, man, because this person, it's almost like, put them out of their misery. They're just talking, they keep it. It's just like, you know, once in a while we all go, whoa, what's me? But every day, it's like every day, it's like, Please, God, just give them a good day today so they have something positive to say about on Facebook. Say something positive, please. Because <laughs> they just are miserable all the time. Thank God I'm not married to them. Amen. <laughs> oh, man. How do you suffer? Man, Jesus, I love when it says about Christ that he was, when he was reproached he, he, and he was, he was reviled, he reviled not again. Oh man, when someone when someone says something to you, when someone does something to you, isn't it our first reaction to do something back? To say something back. So, so, somebody says something to you. But you know what Jesus was? He was like a lamb to the slaughter. That's how he was. Oh man. Somebody get a paper cut. I got a paper cut. I got a paper cut. Tell the whole world you got a paper cut. I'm not. I bumped my knee. I bumped my knee. I bumped my knee. I, I bumped my knee. Okay. <laughs> Do you suffer sometimes? I thank God for people who just struggle. They struggle trusting in Jesus. The Lord has called us to serve Him. Sometimes it involves suffering. And thirdly, tonight, we're to be stewards of the grace of God. 
stewards of the grace of God, 1 Peter 4.10, is every man has received the gift, even so minister the same to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What, is it, what, what does the steward do? It is required of stewards that a man be, be, be found faithful. You know the best thing you can be in life is faithful. I thank God for talented people. I thank God for uh, gifted people. I thank God for intelligent people. I thank God for all people. Because every person is a miracle and precious in God's sight. But who I think I appreciate the most is faithful people. People who show up. I know when I come to church, I'm going to see some faces every time the doors open because they're either, they're either sick or they're on vacation. I know you're faithful. I know people are praying for me. I know you're faithful because I know it, and I'm thankful for it. I appreciate you faithful. Some people are like a flash in a pan. You see them? I've, come by, I've been to church, and I've had people come by and say, Preacher, that was the best sermon I ever heard in my entire life. Two weeks later, I never saw them again. I said, well, I guess that sermon was great. <laughs> it was the best thing you ever heard. It changed your life. What happened to you? What happened to you? <laughs> oh, dear friend, thank God for folks that are faithful. Be faithful. I heard the story of this Spanish philosopher. He told about a Roman aqueduct in his native land of Spain. It was built in 109 A.D. For 1,800 years, it carried cool waters from the mountain to the hot and thirsty city. Nearly 60 generations of men, women, children, boys, girls, drank from its flow. Then there came a generation, a recent one, who said, the aqueduct is so great, a marvel, it ought to be preserved for our children as a museum piece. Let's not use it anymore. We should relieve it of its century-long labors. They did. They laid down modern iron pipes. <laughs> they gave the ancient bricks and mortar a, a reverent rest. And the aqueduct began to fall apart. The sun beating on the dry mortar caused it to crumble. The bricks and stone sagged and threatened to fall. What ages of service could not destroy, idleness destroyed. There's nothing worse for you, friend, than be idle. You say, preacher, I can't do much. Do what you can for Jesus. Encourage somebody else for Jesus. Love somebody else for Jesus. Help somebody else for Jesus. For Jesus, Share the gospel for somebody else for Jesus. Give a little bit for Jesus. Do something to the degree that God has blessed you and helped you and given you talents and gifts and grace. Do it to the glory of God. That's how we started this service. To God be the glory, great things He has done. But dear friend, if you sit back and say, I'm and focus on yourself and your problems and your issues and your needs and your hurt and your pain and your difficulty and your boo-boos and you be idle, you know what's going to happen to you? You'll dry up just like that aqueduct and you will be destroyed. You'll be destroyed. And it, won't be, and it will be exactly what the devil wants. The worst thing for a Christian to do is simply come and sit, but never do what God has called him to do.
You see, God wants us to hear. But more important than hear, He wants us to do. Be doers of the Word, not hearers only. If you come and listen, thank God you come and listen. But if you do nothing with what I said tonight, dear friend, what good is what I've said to you? Father, our God, I pray you'd help us. Help us, Lord, like you helped Peter, who had so many issues, so many problems. He could have focused on his past and how he failed. He could have focused on his problems, his parentage. He could have focused on the fact that he didn't have a whole lot of uh, wealth or didn't have a whole lot of education, didn't come from a great background, but oh, how he's blessing us 2,000 years later by the words he was written on the Holy Spirit. Lord, may we forget, get over our only ifs, or if I could have, or what about this? And God, may we be used of you. May we be faithfully used of you. Maybe you're in that same boat right now. You're swirling around the, the pool of self-focus. You're consumed with your issues, your problems, your, 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 your needs, your things. It, it can consume you. My health, my problems, my hurt, my pain, me. Oh, dear friend, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world shall grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Would you turn your eyes upon Jesus? Would you turn your eyes upon Jesus? As the song plays this evening, is that you today, friend? Is that you? Oh, preacher, I found myself down. I found myself discouraged. I found myself frustrated. I found myself depressed. Why? Why? There's so much to do. There's so many opportunities. God has given you so much. Look. Look what Christ has done for you. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Stand to our feet. Maybe God has spoken to your heart. Preacher, I'm struggling tonight. Would you pray for me? I'm struggling. I admit it. I'm too consumed with me. My problems, my issues, would you pray for me? I get a different perspective. Would you pray for me? I get a different focus. Would you pray for me? Would I start using the gifts and talents that he, would, that he gives me for his glory and his honor? Would you? I'm struggling, preacher. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Come down. Would you come? Come to this old altar. Ask God to help you. Ask God to heal you. Ask God to give you different perspective, a different burden, a different focus. Oh God, we need you tonight. Is that you, friend? Is that you? Let God work in your heart tonight.